We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into God's word together. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we come now, we want to pray uh, for our valley. We want to pray for revival across the Yass Valley and, and overflowing from it, Lord. We pray that you'd bring many people into salvation through the name of Jesus, because there is no other name. Father, this morning we want to pray for those amongst our community who are unwell, uh, who, um, yeah, who are unwell or injured or incapacitated in any reason. We pray that you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them, and ultimately you'd bring healing by the name of Jesus. Father, we do pray for our church. We pray that you would revive us, as we talked about last week, that you'd bring a spiritual awakening in each and every one of us, that we would be made new, refreshed and restored and made alive by your Spirit. We pray that you would transform your church, that it would not be conformed to the ways of the world, but to the ways of the kingdom. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. And as we come to your word now, Lord, I pray that that we would be shaped by it. I pray that we would hear your voice through the scripture this morning. Yeah, I just want to declare this morning, Lord, that this is a holy moment now. Not because of the sound of my voice or the capacity of me as a preacher, but because of your word. It's holy and true. And so we come to it this morning wanting to receive from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so uh, this month we we started at the 1st of February with our Vision Sunday, uh, but we're actually having a Vision Month in a sense. So we, we began with that vision of that one word transformed from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so over the course of the rest of this month, we're unpacking what that means, what God's calling to us, calling for us to, to be and to be transformed in as a church this year. Um, so Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, hopefully it's uh, drummed into most of our brains now, but I just want to keep reading this scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And so I believe that you know, this is a call for all of us throughout all of, of history until Jesus returns to constantly keep coming back. To not be transformed to the culture of this world, but to, uh, sorry, to not be conformed to the culture of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by the Holy Spirit. Uh, But I believe for our church that this year coming out of of COVID, or hopefully coming out of COVID, coming out of such a a, a changing year, that God's calling us not to just external or superficial changes, but to be deeply transformed. And and so there's three levels of that that I think God uh, is calling to us. The first is the personal, which is what we talked about last week. That God's calling each and every one of us as followers of Jesus to be transformed individually, personally. And by that I don't mean privately, I just mean as the, as the person. We're called to be transformed. 
Uh, and so last week we spoke about uh, drawing a circle around ourselves and, and, and calling for revival within that circle, so to speak. That, that the, the place we begin our desire to be transformed and see the world transformed in the name of Jesus is to pray for transformation, for revival, for spiritual awakening in us. As it says in Romans 13, the time has already passed, it's come for us to wake from our slumber. The second level of that is, so there's the personal, the second level, not that they're hierarchical in any sense, but the second space that I think God's calling us to be transformed in is the culture of the church. That as individuals, we don't want to conform to the ways of the world, but in the culture of the church, God's calling us to be transformed, to not conform to the culture of the world, to be transformed. And thirdly, which we'll talk about next week, so we're going to talk about church culture this morning. Next week, we're going to talk about our heart's desire to see the community transformed. That's primarily the Yass Valley transformed. So it's the personal, the church, and the community. But but what I want to say this morning is we have no hope. We're kidding ourselves if we want to see our community transformed in the name of Jesus if we're not transformed in the personal if we're not transformed in the church culture, we, we have no hope. Apart from seeing that transformation, that revival grow from within us. And so this morning I want to talk about, well, what's God's desire for transformation in our church? In Yas Community Baptist Church. What's, what's his desire for transformation within us, within a community? And so culture, it's one of those words we, we throw around, isn't it? We, it can mean high art, you know, we're going to something, we're going to experience a bit of culture. It, it can mean, um, you know, the opposite of that, all those people, kind of, their culture is a bit down here. But, but culture just means uh, the ideas, customs and social behaviours of a group of people. Yeah, and so you could talk about Australian culture, you could talk about Yas culture, you could talk about the culture of different nationalities, but, but also we have a culture as a church. We have, you know, some of these things are spoken, some of them are unspoken, some of them are, are kind of in our constitution maybe, but, but most of these things are just the way we live and breathe and operate. And as I was praying about this and some other stuff uh, early in the week, um, I think God just put on my heart um, the marriage preparation that I do with people who are going to be married. We use this tool called Prepare. And so what we do in that is we, one of the things that that generates after people give their kind of survey responses is it gives you a family of origin map and a couple map. And it's not the word that's used there, but it's essentially kind of tracking a bit of, well, what was the culture of your family of origin? And what's the culture of your relationship? And what's the difference between the two? And there's no right or wrong, really, in that sense. I mean, there's right or wrong in, in a little bit. Like, if people are off the chart, then that, that needs some counselling. But, but the thing about that is, and what we say to every couple we do that is, we need to be aware, it's an awareness thing, that when times are pressured or stressful, your spouse will get drawn back into operating out of their family of origin map, their family of origin culture. So when things are stressful, we go back to our origins in a sense. And as I was praying about this week, I just felt like God put on my heart that that's a bit of a warning for us in the church. 
It's been a stressful year. I want to say that the last 12 months have probably been the most stressful of my life. That's a significant claim and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not, not wanting to go back and unearth all my past stressful years and measure them against each other. But, but it's not just been stressful for me, it's been a stressful year for everybody. And so the warning is that, that, that we risk getting drawn back to our family of origin culture. Now, that might actually mean our, our family of origin, but, but in that, what I'm really talking about is our family of origin, when we think about the culture of the church, it, it, it could mean the church that we grew up in. Either literally, some of us grew up as young people in churches, uh, some of us came to faith and, and, and we grew up spiritually in a church as an adult, and, and so our, our family of origin could represent that culture. And so the danger is we, is we begin to get drawn back into wanting to operate how it was then. That, that, that we want things to go back to the good old days of church. That's one risk. The, the other family of origin for the church could be our human family of origin. That we are just as humans uh, under times of stress... You know, when things are going good, we praise Jesus, love everybody, honouring, serving. But when we're stressed, we go back to our human family of origin, our, our, our human desires and wants, the, 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 the human self-focused culture versus the culture of God's family. And so if we want to put a, a word or a, or a name on that, so much of our human culture, the self-focused culture, is, is that of a consumer. In the Western world, at least, one of the primary ways in which we as humans interact with the world around us is as a consumer. And so I think it's one of the, str- the strongest pulls on the culture of the church. As we're under stress in this season of life, as we're under uh, pressure, as we just kind of... Routines are interrupted, and that's been a massive thing for the church. We've, you know, we're, we're back to being able to gather in the building now, but we still can't sing, and there's all these different things. But we've had such a massive interruption to our routine as a church. And so one of the strongest pulls that I sense on us as a church, back to that family of origin sense, is, is to that consumer culture. And so a consumer culture is, is about, I want my needs met. I want the things the way that I want them. I want things the way that they should be. I, I, I show up and I want to get what I want. And so when I go to a cafe, that's appropriate. When I go to a cafe, I go when I want to go. It's either it's convenient, I'm hungry, I want a coffee. I go to a cafe when I want to go. And I order what I want. And I pay money for it. And I expect to get it. That's a reasonable, normal expectation when we're in a cafe. We, we expect to get the exact thing that we want because that's what we're there for. We're a consumer. That's the deal with cafes. Nothing wrong with that. That's the deal at the supermarket. That's the deal when you order something online. You expect to get what you want. But that's not how it should be in the church. And we all know that. But the thing is, as, as humans who are in this process of being sanctified, redeemed, uh, under pressure, we get this pull, we get this draw back to that consumer culture. I, I expect to get what I want. 
we, ex- we expect to get served at a cafe and, and the pressure is putting on us that we tend to slip into wanting to get served at, at church or by the church. And so here's the thing. Let it marinate in your brain a little bit and it, and it might sound a little bit offensive. And actually before I say that, after last week's message, I was talking to my friend Dan uh, and he said, oh, thanks, Nick, I, I enjoyed your sermon this morning. To which my response was, you're not meant to enjoy it. It was meant to be challenging, and so he clarified that he was challenged, but that's why he enjoyed it. And so uh, some of this morning's message isn't for entertainment, probably none of it. It's not something that you're necessarily meant to enjoy, but I pray that you, you know, if, some, if anything feels a little bit spiky or like, ooh, to you, that you push past that to what is God saying to you through it. And so here's what I was going to say. The church is not here for you. The church is not here for you. You are the church. And so in the midst of all of that, we get loved, we get blessed by one another, we are here for each other, but the church is not here for you because you are the church. And so this consumer idea, it's not about whether it's shiny and new, We can be just as consumeristic about wanting traditional church as we can about wanting everything to be shiny and new. It's it's a hard attitude. When we come as consumers, when we're present as consumers, we want the church to meet our needs, our expectations. We want the church to tick our boxes. When we come as consumers, we show up when it's convenient for us. Or we might be hungry or needy, and so that's where we show up. When we're consumers, we give, but we give with expectations. We end up being like those, and many of you would know the story where Jesus you know, fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And so the next day, the crowds follow him, but they follow him as consumers. They're coming for bread. And Jesus tries to lead them to something deeper, but that's not what they're after, so they move on. And so the culture of the church needs to be that of God's kingdom, not of the world. And so this morning, we all need to acknowledge that we have a little bit of consumer, at least a little bit of consumer in us, when we engage with the church. That could be true if it's your first week here or online this morning, or it's definitely true if you're the pastor. This is not a me versus you message. Because I know I show up to the gathering of the church, just like everybody else, with my wants, with my expectations, with my desires to have a few boxes, ticks, and validation. So this isn't about us and they. This is about us together coming to this place of acknowledging we all have a bit of consumer in us. And we need to acknowledge that in order to repent, to move away from that. And move towards something else to be transformed. That, that's the space of not conforming to the pattern of this world. When we, when we acknowledge the ways that we have conformed and, and choose to move away from that. And so this morning I want to spend the rest of my time talking about what's, what's the antidote? What, what's the thing that we move towards? Because repent means to change direction. 
It means to turn around from what was to move towards what God's calling us to. And so this morning I believe the antidote to to having a consumer culture in the church, to having a self-focused culture in the church, is to have instead a culture of honour. To have instead a culture of servant-hearted people, that, that these things are the antidote to a consumer culture in the church. And so the scripture calls for us to honour everyone. Honour for others is the culture of God's kingdom. It's the culture amongst the the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. They honour one another and so that's the culture of the kingdom. And so it should be the culture of the church. A few verses down in Romans 12 chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says this. Be devoted to one another in love and honour one another above yourselves. Honour one another above yourselves. That word honour is about value. It's about esteem. It's about how we weigh someone's worth. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that the honour we have for others, the value we have for others, should be above the value that we have for ourselves. This is the exact opposite of a consumer culture. A consumer culture values what I want, what I feel like I need, what I want to get out of this. An honour culture values the other person's needs, what they need, what their value is, what we can give to them. It's, It's in fact following in the footsteps of Jesus in Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, the Apostle Paul's talking about kind of the culture, the attitudes that we should have as a church. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others, value or honour others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He says, in your relationships with one another, and so he's speaking to the church here, he's speaking about how we interact with one another. He says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on famously to talk about how he, being in very nature God, did not cling to that status. I encourage you to read the rest of that for yourself. But the Apostle Paul is saying that we should value others, honour others, above ourselves in the church. That should be the characteristic of our relationships with one another. And if we want an example of what that looks like, we simply look at Jesus. The most valuable, worthy of honour being in all of the universe who chose to honour others above himself. And so the, the culture of the church needs to be transformed more and more, and this is a process. Like I said at the start when we talked about caterpillars, it's not that the caterpillar is bad. It's not that this has been a horrible church and now we need to get on track, but it's time for a transformation. And, and so the scriptures call for us to be transformed, to build that culture of honour amongst one another, to honour everybody. Uh, but the scriptures also encourage us to honour our leaders, in the church. Uh, The New Testament places a high emphasis on honouring those who serve in that role. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13, it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you 
who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And so the scriptures call for us to acknowledge those in leadership, to, to encourage them, to appreciate their work. That's a part of being a culture of honour. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 20, the Apostle Paul says this, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour. And so this is talking about uh, one of the categories of leadership in the church. And so this is about elders, but it's about uh, more broadly those who take responsibility to serve and lead in the church. It says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. So this is about, you know, pay, employment, but it's also about honour. And it says, do not entertain accusations against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that there is a high level of accountability when it comes to those who take a leadership responsibility in the church. But we should honour them and we shouldn't be entertaining accusations against them. We shouldn't be uh, sowing little criticisms that are just kind of hearsay here and there, that, that our response, our attitude, our default position should be to, to honour those elders and leaders in the church. In Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, it says this. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So again, we have that marrying of of honour, of value for leadership, but also they must give an account to God. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. And so the Apostle Paul, again, sorry, not the Apostle Paul, maybe, who knows, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, The writer of Hebrews is saying, have confidence in the leaders. Trust them. Yes, they must give an account, and and, and I can say it's true of of every leader in this church. They don't take their, their calling and responsibility lightly. Ensure that it's a joy and not a burden and pray for them. And so I really want to urge the church that that one of the key ways we honour our leaders is that we pray for them. That we not just kind of, you know, we prayed for our leaders, our deacons and elders um, a while ago as we kind of commissioned them this year. But not just to that, but to be regularly praying for our leaders and elders is one of the core ways that we we honour the leaders in the church. And Part of the reason for that is it's hard. Part of the reason for that is often leaders are coming under a, a, a spiritual attack. You know, I've got a phrase in my mind I call in our family, in a sense, it's the Saturday night ambush, where things just seem to go haywire often. We had a good night last night. <laughs> but sing, things often seem to go haywire on a Saturday night. You know, often children will be vomiting not, not often, it's not every week, we don't have, don't, don't stress, but you know, a child will vomit, a, leaf, a roof will leak. Uh, things happen that try and undermine the leaders in the church 
as they're coming up to, to serve. And so I want to really encourage you to pray for our leaders. Pray for me, please, but, but not just all of them. But, but here's the line, and I've bombarded you with a bit of honour the leader scriptures, but here's the line I want to, want to jump to from that passage. It says, Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And so here's the thing. A culture of honour is what we're called to because that's the culture of the kingdom, but, but a culture of honour is about receiving. You might be thinking, well, aren't we meant to not come as consumers? And now you're confused because you're talking about receiving. Well, the difference between consuming and receiving is when we want to come as a consumer, we want what we want. We have expectations, we have desires, we want the things that, that are for me. I want it this way. But when we come with a desire to receive, it's about what's God want for me this morning? I'm using, it's not all about Sunday morning, but I'm using that as an example. What's, what's God want for me? What's God want to give me? What have the, you know, the worship team got prepared for us this morning to bless us? Because we can't receive from those that we don't honour. Jesus spoke about if you honour a prophet as a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. And I think that's true of more than just prophets. Jesus wasn't honoured in his hometown of Nazareth. He's like, they just said, well, this, this is just Joseph, the carpenter's son. And, and so he's dishonoured. And what happened? Was Jesus diminished in his identity as the son of God? Not at all. What happened was Nazareth didn't receive like the other towns received from Jesus. And so the same is true, be it a worship leader, a pastor, an elder, a Bible reader, the person sitting next to you, the person who welcomes you at the door. We cannot receive what God has for us from that person if we don't honour them, if we don't value them for what God's placed in them. If we come with a critique and a criticism... If we come with a checklist, then we can't re fully receive what God has for us. And ultimately, that's what it's about. When we honour God's people, we're ultimately honouring what God's placed in them and honouring God. And so what happens in the church, if we, if we build a culture of honour, if we seek to honour each other, it's like a, a, a nuclear reaction. Once you get that critical mass of honour, it's like an explosion that blesses everybody. Like a nice explosion, not destructive. An overflow might be a better term. And so honour needs to begin with each of us as individuals. It's, it's not something, honour is not something that you can demand, it's something that you give. And so we create a culture of honour when we choose to honour others, when we choose to value others. In the church, we create a culture of honour when, when we show up with an expectation to receive from God and from those who've, who've worked hard to prepare. We honour when we show up, not just when it's not convenient. Sorry, not just when it's convenient. One of the ways we create a culture of honour is we check our criticism at the door. I don't mean with the greeters, as in you walk in and you give them all of your criticism... I mean, 
you, you leave it behind you when you walk through the door. Because when we come with a critique, when we come with a checklist, we're cutting ourselves off from receiving what God has for us through the people who are leading. We create a culture of honour when we do that. I'm not saying that we can never critique or give feedback. What I'm saying is let's not do that on a Sunday. Let's, let's leave that at the door. Let's process whether that's of me or whether it's, it's, it's something worthy of, of, of providing feedback to the leadership of the church. And if it is, pop it in writing or an email and um, send it to the elders of the church and they'll process that through. I, I, I'm not saying that leaders, that other people are beyond critique. Of course not. What I'm saying is let's have a heart that we want to honour when we come together to worship what God wants to pour out through those people. We actually honour those who are serving when we come with an expectation to receive. We're, we're valuing that, that God's placed in them something for us, but not when we come with an expectation to consume. We honour when we actively acknowledge others, be they leaders or not, but here's the thing, I'm, I'm not looking for a pat on the back this morning. I'm not looking for more, oh, that was good, Nick. What I'm, what I'm praying for is the transformed culture in the church. That, that we would move from a culture, and, and again, this is not a bad church, this is not a worse church than any other church. If you're feeling you know, torn down this morning, please don't hear it as that. It's a call for the church to go to a new level of, of mirroring the kingdom of God in our culture in the way that we honour. And just quickly, the, the other thing I mentioned, so, so we move from a consumer culture to, to, to the kingdom culture when we have a culture of honour and the other thing just quickly is a culture of being servant-hearted. When we come as servants instead of consumers, we're transformed. And so Mark chapter 10, that reading that, um, Alex read for us this morning, Jesus says that even the Son of Man came not to, serve, not to be served, sorry, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus modelled what he taught. He modelled coming as a servant, not as one who wanted people to serve him. He did this when he washed the disciples' feet. And the thing he said to the disciples after washing the disciples' feet was, now that I have set you an example, do likewise. A culture of being a servant is opposed to the culture of the world. Jesus says in that reading that you know, amongst, amongst the leaders and rulers of the world, amongst the people of the world, there's this kind of fighting and biting to get to the top so that they can be served. He says that's not the culture of the followers of Jesus. And so the thing is, we cannot be a follower of Jesus and not serve others. I'm not saying we need to serve others to get saved. That's not how we're saved. But, but if we're following Jesus, if we're shaping our life around the pattern of Jesus Christ, if we're seeking to be transformed, if we're seeking to be conformed to his likeness, we cannot not serve others. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, 
The Apostle Paul says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And so this morning we've celebrated that through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are free. Free from obligation to the law, free from our sin, free from legalistic obligations. But then he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so the call for transformed culture is a culture of honour, but the call for a transformed culture is, is that we each come with a servant heart, that our attitude, our desire is to serve. If this is your church, then I want to encourage you and call you to serve. There's so much blessing when we choose to switch from a desire to be served to a desire to serve others. Jesus, when he administered to the woman at the well and the disciples came back with food, he, he said, I don't really need that food anymore. My food is to do the will of God. Elsewhere it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that's true of serving as well. When we serve, there's great blessing for us. But this morning, we're not, and we've done this in the past, we've set up tables at the back and we've put a thing up saying, how will you serve this year? And we've had sign-up sheets and things like that. And, and I've chosen that we're not going to do that this morning. Because I don't want it to be a, oh, we'll catch you at the door and make you sign up on a roster kind of thing. I think what God's calling us to, and there is rosters to be filled, so if you want to jump on a roster, then we'd love that. But, but what I want to encourage us to seek is to have a transformed heart to have a desire to serve. Because it's not, it's not just about filling rosters. It's about the culture of the church being transformed that we're all filled with that real heart's desire to serve. And so the culture... Of the church is the ideas, it's the customs, it's the behaviour of the church. Eliza, you can rally your troops to give people hope. Essentially, culture is the sum of all of our behaviour, all of our actions, all of our thoughts and attitudes added together. Uh, that's what makes up culture. And so, of course, it, be, it begins with the transformed me. It begins with the, the transformed individual. Uh, but when we think about our role in the, in the culture of the church, uh, I was challenged and encouraged by um, something I saw, admittedly, on Instagram. Um, but it was from a pastor in, I think, Florida named Rich Wilkinson Jr., Wilkerson Jr. And he just asked this simple question. It was like a 15-second clip, and he said... If everyone acted like you, would the church be better or worse? And I personally was deeply challenged by that. As the pastor of the church, if everyone acted like me, would the church actually be better or worse? And here we're not just talking about a Sunday morning, we're, we're talking about our lives. And so I want to give you that challenge this morning as we think about are we coming as consumers? Or are we coming to build a culture of honour where we honour one another, we honour our leaders so that we can receive from them what God's placed in them for us? Are we coming with a heart to serve? As we think about all of that, I want us in this moment 
to honestly for ourselves answer that question. If everyone acted like you, would the church be better or worse? If everyone prayed like you, would the church be better or worse? If everyone spoke like you, would the church be better or worse? If everyone showed up or stayed home like you, would the church be better or would it be worse? If everyone served like you, would the church be better or worse? Because it's our individual thoughts, it's our individual actions, it's our our individual behaviours that build the culture of the church. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come upon us this morning. I pray that your refiner's fire would come upon each and every one of us. Father, you know my heart's desire this morning was not to criticise, to tear down, but to call us to something that represents you more clearly. Father, if there's any sense of guilt or criticism this morning, I pray that you would just lift that off. But Father, I do pray that you would challenge each and every one of us. We're called to be your bride, Jesus. We're called to be your body. So I pray that you would transform us this moment we repent of coming as consumers I pray that you replace that desire with a deep desire to receive from you that we would shift from wanting to consume what we want to a desire to receive what you have. Father, I pray that through each and every individual that's a part of this church family, that you would create within us a culture of honour. Father, I pray that you would transform each of us and fill each of us with a heart's desire to serve one another. Come and shape your church to look more and more like you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. 
As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.